again and welcome to Mrs Techie's Technology Classroom. Thank you for joining me again. I'm so glad you're here to listen. I, uh, this week we're going to be talking about gender inequality in STEM classrooms and in STEM careers. So uh, why is there a gap between girl and boy uptake of particular subject areas and jobs and what we can do to close this gap um, and do we need to? So first off, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about my experience in that gender inequality field um, and it begins back with my high school career. So I grew up in South Australia and in my senior years I chose science and maths exclusively. I just loved science, I loved maths, I loved patterning, I loved being able to work things out and that you know, uh, the marks attributed to you were about the way you approach programs rather than the content that you had already. So that really um, kept me in maths and science. Around me in my classroom, lots and lots of boys, not so many girls. And the types of girls that were in my classroom were the sorts of girls who weren't really girly girls. We were girls who just loved to study and talk with one another about what was going on. Um, you know, sort of a bit like little amateur detectives. Pretty nerdy, really. So um, the problem for me came when my family moved across the country to Queensland and so I left towards the end of year 11 and I started in a new school in a new state where the curriculum was quite different and whereas back in South Australia I'd been you know trying my best to stay at the top of the class there um, you know each year I was sort of in the running for what we call in Queensland the ducks you know um, and I, I worked really, really hard and, and I could make sure that I was up there and competitive with the biggest brains in the class, which was great. Didn't always come out on top, but I tried my darndest. Once I got to Queensland and looked at where the kids were working at, I really doubted my ability to get that top dog position. And I'm a bit of a... Um, well, <laughs> I like to do things I'm good at and I like to really achieve in areas that I'm working in. And so for me, I looked at that classroom and thought to myself, my goodness, if I'm not going to be up near the top, what is that going to do for my chances at university? Can I catch up? What should I do? So I went to talk to a careers counsellor and they looked at me and said, oh, look, if you're finding it a bit hard in physics and in math C, why don't you drop those two so you can concentrate on chemistry and biology and math B and you can go off and do some humanities. And I often wonder if the conversation would have been the same if I was a boy. I mean, these people didn't know me. They were just looking at me saying, look, I'm finding it difficult in these subject areas. What can I do? And they steered me in a direction they thought would be the best fit for me, not knowing very much about my academic background. I look back now and I think, well, it changed the course of my academic career. Having done some humanities, so I did um, modern history and what was then SOS, Studies of Society, which were easy enough for me to catch up and be up the top there and be competitive for top dog spot um, and things that I could learn by myself at home with some books because you know the internet wasn't invented back then um, well it was but you know nobody I knew had it um, so you know I, I learned a lot and it piqued my interest and I went off and I did an arts degree which was great I wouldn't trade it for anything uh, but I often think what would have happened if I'd stayed in physics and math C where would I have ended up in university? I mean, as it was with the subjects I had, I still could have very easily got into engineering or something like that, and yet I still chose to go with one of the soft 
um, skills of you know writing humanities a little bit of research rather than into those sort of hard science areas so um, thinking about that going into my career reflecting on those experiences I've always been very keen to make sure that um, both girls and boys get those opportunities in my classroom to delve into the science and maths um, areas with some confidence. Um, I've worked very closely with parents over the years where kids have found little gaps in knowledge in their maths and science and I really enjoy that challenge of taking kids from a, a point of being, you know, not having no confidence and not understanding and working with them until they can get to that point where they really get it. Because um, I really love maths, I love the beauty in maths um, and I think it'll be my favourite subject to teach even until the end of my career. Um, I have been teaching digital technology in the last couple of years and I mean I've also been teaching maths and science as well but digital technologies has been more my focus and area of expertise in the last couple of years and so um, each each year of my career and I'm in my 20th year this year as, as most of you know um, I've sort of worked on a little project for myself to keep my brain happy to keep my science brain alive and I have, you know, changed some variables in my classroom to see what the effect would be. I always do it with, you know, a really um, pure sense of heart there that I'm looking at the kids in front of me and thinking, oh, I wonder if I did this, how that would impact their learning. I think this is the right strategy for this year. And then looking at that in terms of um, how successful that is and trialing it again in a few years time to see if, if the changes would be the same or different. Um, so... I did a little bit of a data collection survey last year when I went into teaching a particular group of digital tech students. I had around 100 students in this group. Um, they all come from the same community with the same access to resources. Um, the bridge between you know rich and poor in this particular community is quite small. Everyone's sort of in the middle a little or towards the bottom end um, if you look at our XD rating for the school there you know we were below that um, that line so everyone had similar access to resources and I asked them about their digital technology use because I wanted to find out where I was starting from with my teaching I knew that these kids were very creative in the ways they use technology uh, they didn't have most of them didn't have computers at home they were using things like secondhand iPhones from mum or grandma or dad or whoever and um, they were doing some quite creative things in terms of a little bit of video editing, uh, lots of Instagram, looking at photography, um, communication type things. And of course a lot of gaming as we know most kids these days do a lot of gaming. So looking at those skills and wondering how and why the access between students changed was sort of where I was aiming to go with this survey. So one of the questions that I asked on the survey was who monitors your um, screen time? Do you have someone monitoring it? Do you have limits on your screen time allowance for the week? Um, do you have to ask permission basically? There was sort of a range of questions about that. And what I found very quickly was that the responses from girls versus the responses from boys were quite different. Almost unanimously, the girls had very finite um, ceilings on the amount of time they were allowed to use um, technology for the week um, whereas boys had a little bit more free reign almost universally there as well girls were asking for permission and they would talk with their families about what they were doing whereas boys it was sort of very mysterious to their parents what went on with those computers and or 
gaming consoles and they went on and had more of um, time to explore and experiment and even risk take so even when it came down to the usernames that kids were using the girls were more likely to have said that they had an adult talk to them about safety with terms of choosing a username and locking down profiles than the boys were. And the boys were indulging in far more risky behaviour in terms of they had spoken to strangers on the internet, they had they regularly played games with people they didn't know and those sorts of things, whereas the girls didn't. So I started to think, wow, this is quite a big um, gap between the genders that I hadn't been expecting to see. I'd really expected that the experience across this particular group of students would have been very similar whether they were girls or boys and I think perhaps my own experiences sort of um, coloured that a little in that I am a parent, my my own children were a similar age to this group, a little, well, one was in that group and one was a little older um, and as a parent you know our, our household's fairly genderless, you know we have a very modern marriage, we both work similar hours um, and we both split up the household duties and childcare and things like that pretty 50-50. In fact, if it was 60-40, I'd probably get off with a lighter deal most weeks. Um, so, you know, we've, we've raised our kids just to know that jobs get done. In terms of the toys that we allowed them to play with, um, we've our, our two kids, um, our oldest ones are a pigeon pair. They're a year apart. So, and they shared a room for the first few years of their life. So the toys were always communal, you know. There were babies in kitchens and a doll's house that looked like a fire station and, you know, all sorts of figurines in terms of, you know, some are Superman, some are Barbie, some are whatever. Um, and animals and train sets and everybody at our house played with all the toys. There was no real divide in terms of what they could play with that might affect their development in terms of skill acquisition in those early years. Um, so I, I sort of thought that perhaps there might not be a gender divide um, because certainly at my house we try and make sure that everything is very equitable and, you know, we don't think in terms of genders around here. It's just more about the age you are and, and what we think is appropriate for you at that particular point in your development. So it was quite shocking to me that there were these inequalities happening straight up. So it made me think then about how this might impact these children as they grow into adults. If you are the sort of kid who has to ask permission and you're sort of basically using technology to produce a thing, would that make you more or less likely to want to go into scientific research, for example? Would it make you more or less likely to want to repair things that were broken? Would it make you more or less likely to want to develop new things? And on the flip side, if you were the sort of kid who uh, was allowed to explore and um, take risks and just develop your own ideas about things, would you go on to do those things or would you like the discipline to see particular um, projects through? And so I started looking into um, how this played out on a sort of national scale um, across Australia and it's something I've been thinking about again this week so I've been thinking about it for a long time and um, you know the research hasn't changed much in the last couple of years they still talk about this gender divide um, that we still have um, students who are you know we, we have less students in maths and science at university level but while we have less students overall we still have less female students than male students in these 
particular process. And I wondered where does that divide really start? Is it down in the primary years where we're looking at the way that kids are moulded and shaped about how they believe they'll become participants in society? Or is it as a result of the teaching that we're doing in high school? Is it, you know, casting girls sort of further out of those areas? Or is it, in fact, university level? Where is this happening? What is happening? As there's a couple of trains of thought that I've had around where and why this happened. And I've got a couple of newspaper articles to share with you today. I'm not going to read them or anything. I'll just tell you where to find them in case you're interested to find them and talk about how I think it fits in with what I'm trying to sort of start to understand about how gender impacts the STEM disciplines in a, a fast-moving, career-changing world that our kids in front of us in our classrooms right now are going to be facing shortly. So the first article that I thought was fairly interesting comes from ABC News back in September last year. And the title is, Hope Study Showing Girls Just As Good at STEM Subject As Boys Will Inspire Budding Female Scientists. It's a little bit of a mouthful. It's even worse than Mrs. Techie's technology classroom, I think, there. Um, so this article was written last year, and it was in response to a, a study showing that um, while there were thoughts that girls dropped out of science and maths and technology subjects throughout high school because they weren't achieving at the same level as boys, in actual fact that they show grade parity through all of those years, of high school and that girls are dropping out for some other reason is what they're thinking. There is a large female dropout in those subjects at high school um, and that there's a new study out conducted by University of New South Wales that showed that equal performance and they were hoping that by distributing this information to say that girls are as good at those subjects as boys then perhaps we could um, stem that, that dropout from the girls to say to them, no, you are as good. These aren't boys' subjects. They are everybody's subjects. And then maybe they'd be more willing to talk about what the reasons were for them dropping out. Um, they talked about looking at the spectrum of people working in science and tech and saw that strong gender bias there. And um, they really are hoping to explain why that's happening. And the person driving this particular um, research is called Professor Emma Johnson. Johnston, sorry, and she's the Dean of Science at University of New South Wales and also the President of Science and Technology Australia. So I think that's an interesting thing. If we are seeing that girls and boys are achieving academically just as well as one another at school, why then is there this big um, disparity in the workforce? And um, that, you know, this idea that girls have just always believed that boys are better, perhaps maybe behind that all right, so um, I think that really fit in a little bit with where I felt for myself at high school. I dropped out because it was a bit hard and I thought, well, maybe I'm better suited. And certainly the person that I spoke to immediately pushed me towards humanities. So does that, um, I think that really does fit in with, with my experience. Um, but I feel there's more to it. So I found another article and the other one is... Uh, the next one is called, it's from the New York Times. It's a bit more current. Let me see. So it's actually from this week, February, first week in February 2019. And it's called Why Girls Beat Boys at School and Lose to Them at the Office. And it's by Lisa Damore, who's a clinical psychologist. And she talked about the fact that um, girls are more likely to study harder 
that they are going to be more likely to be the person in the class who finishes a project to perfection, polishing it before they present it, whereas boys are more likely to be ah, good enough and pass it in. I have noticed with my own kids, my own little social science experiment upstairs, that this does seem to be the case. You know, my daughter is busy attaching, you know, beautiful things to her assessment, even though she's not going to be graded on it, just because she wants to show the pride she has in her assessment. Whereas our son will say, no, it's finished, mum, and um, I'll have to go and and, uh, work with him and say, listen, how could we make this better? How could we improve on this so you can show your teacher that you're really actually interested in doing the best job you can here. So anecdotally, I've seen that 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 is true. Um, This particular article went on to say that um, this idea about girls waiting till they're ready to submit things goes on into the workforce. And so they were looking at the fact that um, whereas universities are starting to have, you know, science, tech, maths, and they always have had women in those disciplines at um, university level, that when you look at longitudinal, longitudinal studies, that women were far less likely to come back and seek profession, uh, professorships um, in those settings, that they were more likely to leave those jobs to the boys. And when I think back about my career, I, I've seen that as well. Um, and this particular psychologist talks about um, that women tend to be overqualified and overprepared before they will go for particular advancement in career, whereas men tend to have uh, more confidence and they'll say, well, I'll work it out on the way. And they're more likely to be underqualified and applying for the same jobs. And that idea about being confident and that being a a huge um, indicator for success in career is where women are losing out to men in those roles. So I don't know. I, I guess I sort of see that could be true. I have to have a bit more thinking about that. So the last one that I saw was from ABC News and it was back in April last year. And the title was Gender Gap in Science to Last Hundreds of Years Unless More is Done. And it was written by Danny Tran. And it talked about the fact that they do believe that it's going to be centuries or something like 258 years to close the gender gap in the physics world. And it was the University of Melbourne study and it looked at 10 million academic papers and found that women were more likely to be the junior researchers and they were less likely to be invited to submit papers to journals and they were less likely to hold senior positions. And so I started thinking about how does this fit in with the last bit of uh, writing that I looked at with the New York Times opinion piece there. And they thought about um, the fact that um, women are taking up what they call those hard sciences, like maths and physics, more frequently these days. And so, you know, we're getting towards gender parity at university in some of those areas. You know, still 40% women to 60% men, but that the message is getting through that women can do these particular jobs, but um, that there's something holding them back from taking that next step in their career and they wondered what it is. So they wondered whether it might be cultural, that you're looking at perhaps a a culture of discouragement of women going forwards and perhaps it's something to do with the way we judge one another in terms of their ability to perform a job or their confidence with a job. So 
this idea that perhaps we our education system prepares girls for competence and boys for confidence is something that sort of comes through all of these articles. So what does that mean for us in our classroom? We want to build confidence for all of our learners in science, tech, engineering and maths and arts and humanities and English and all of the areas. We want students to have that confidence to move forward. We're looking at a generation of learners who are actually going to be teaching themselves things. I mean, you know, when you look at the particular ways my kids use technology, I've got one of them that every afternoon for the last month has been popping an iPad up in front of a, uh, a musical keyboard and teaching themselves how to play chords and play pop songs. You know, it's pretty abysmal listening right now, but I haven't encouraged it. I haven't suggested it. It's just something that's come to them um, as a good use of their time and a good use of their technology time. Um, when you look at, you know, where people could formally learn about politics or history or even maths. Um, thank you, Eddie Wu out there teaching maths online. Um, you know, it used to be that you'd have to find a library with the right book or you'd have to find the right person to teach you. And now you could log on at one o'clock in the morning and find someone to teach you something. And that's pretty incredible. So I think we need to be caring a little less about content I mean, we, we still have to teach content, don't get me wrong, because there's so much misinformation out there. We need students to get trustworthy information on a lot of cases, and we need someone to um, check to see that they're taking up the information in, in the right way. But we have to let go of the idea that we are the keepers of the information and perhaps work on those soft skills of confidence and, um, you know, um, competence in terms of having kids package what they know in a way to to demonstrate their understanding so um you know i think things that we're we're doing in classroom that project-based learning type stuff may be a good way to develop all of those skills at the same time um they may not. I mean, I'm open to discussion on this. I'm I'm dabbling in those areas right now to see what's happening. And that's my little, you know, scientific slash social science experiment for this year, looking at more integrated learning the way we did in the early noughties. Because, I mean, we all remember those days of themes, um, if we've been teaching long enough. And looking at whether it's a more effective way of preparing these kids for the future or whether they're more comfortable with us chalk and talking it. Um, I tend to think that they're they're probably uh, much more engaged if they're participating but I do worry about getting the sheer amount of content into their little brains in the time that we are given um, but I do think that the important thing is that you know they're, they're saying if we can somehow entice girls to stay in these subjects and we're looking at twice as many you know Albert Einstein's and twice as many Isaac Newtons if we can allow both genders to um, access the information and go on to achieve in those fields. Um, so what have you noticed in your classroom? Do you think there's a gender divide? What are you doing to counter that? Does it just come down to differentiation that we look at all of our learners as different regardless of gender, which is where I tend to go. You know, we all know um, that there are huge differences in kids and and looking at each particular learner and trying to find the way to, to reach them um, and build competence and confidence in them um, and enjoyment and engagement as well. Because we all know, I mean, 
um, I wasn't much of a, a girly girl. I really loved maths and science in a time where girls tended not to. Um, I think for me it came down to I really wanted my dad's approval and he loved maths and I had some fantastic teachers who were young and female and just shared their passion with me. And so I really hope that over the years that I've been able to do that for someone else, to share my passion. Um, I always go into a maths lesson saying, oh, I love maths, it's my favourite subject, it's so cool, look at all the amazing tricks we can do with it. And I do find that when you attack it with that sort of excitement and vigour that um, the kids come along for the ride with you. Um, you know, teaching is performance art after all, even when we're not feeling it, we have to pretend like we are. And I, I guess that's just how I've gotten through it over the last few years, is just to really try and get a state of excitement that's infectious in my classroom. Um, I'd be really interested to hear from you though. Uh, were you a math science student at school? What were the things that made you stay or made you leave? Um, what have you noticed in your classroom? Do you think there are strategies that are better for girls or boys? Or do you think we treat everyone the same? Um, because, yeah, it's something I'm still ruminating about. And I, I suppose in maybe two or three years I might have formed a solid opinion on it. Um, uh, so, yes, there you go. Gender inequality in, in STEM subjects. There you have it. That's some current research, some anecdotal evidence from me. And some very big questions that I'm hoping that we can look into and, and maybe find some answers to. Um, stay tuned to the Facebook page. I'll, I'll share those particular articles this week and any others that come across my news desk over the next few days. Um, it's something that's of huge interest to me. Thank you again for listening. It's been really encouraging to see the numbers. Thank you so much for helping me with this sh short-term project. I've really been enjoying it. Um, check me out on Facebook, Mrs. Techie's Technology Classroom. Um, I'm still thinking about that webpage. I perhaps will get that up and running. I do have um, some OneNote journals that I share with other teachers. So if you know me personally and you want to get in on that action, please send me an email and I will get you on that. Um, send any questions via the Facebook page and I'll look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you.